The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 119 of the podcast, or you're joining us here on YouTube. Today is Sunday, December the 16th. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you've heard the third parties we've had and the guests from around the world that we've had on the show. And I was going to line another one up this week, but then I thought, let's just take a little break. We'll put that off to 2019, and uh, we'll have some big things in line for you guys in the new year i a couple of years ago i wouldn't have said there's I, I would have said there's no such thing as too much mma but uh there might have been too much mma this weekend uh there was a whole shitload of stuff going on before we get into that let me introduce my co-host all the way from new jersey which from what i hear is is surprisingly warm for this time of year i hope it stays that way jeff the animal wilson jeff how you feeling on this early sunday afternoon my friend bill i'm feeling rejuvenated man last night's card was on early i actually got some sleep because usually you know when those cards finish at one i have a hard time sleeping after a couple beers and you know staying up for the post fight stuff mm -hmm. but bill i got some bad news for you what's that i fell asleep before i could watch bellator so <laughs> You're going to have to fill me in on a couple of things. And, Bill, we actually have, you know, I'm glad that you're enjoying the warmth, but uh, we might have a, we have a winter advisory today. So hopefully it doesn't snow because I got a lot to cover with my kids this week. We got no time to waste. Ah, oh, fuck. Well, keep the snow away uh, for a couple of weeks because I'm, I'm flying back up to New York next week. I, I didn't even have a chance to talk about this because we've been so busy with guests and everything. But when I flew up for Thanksgiving, um, with my 10 month old child, man, what a, what a fucking miserable experience. I'm not looking forward to taking her back on a plane. She's just at the age where she can't sit still and she doesn't have her own seat or anything. We just have to hold her on our lap and, uh, she wants to get up and move around. And, you know, we gave her some, some, uh, chamomile stuff that makes her a little drowsy, like this all natural, like baby stuff that it helps with their teething pain and makes them sleepy and so she got drowsy but then she couldn't get comfortable enough to fall asleep so i i was basically just apologizing to everybody i, I wanted to buy the whole plane around of drinks because my daughter was just she wanted a fucking party on this airplane at, at 30 35 feet or however the fuck high we were but in any case, got to do it again this week. I'm heading back to New York. So I don't know what the show is going to look like the next couple of weeks. Maybe Jeff and I will do a live episode up in New York. Um, you know, maybe we'll have too many beers and forget. Um, either way, we're going to enjoy ourselves. So I hope you all do the same through the holiday season. All right. Uh, and I didn't watch Bellator last night either, Jeff, because it was on zone. So I refuse. I, I don't even want to find a, a stream for it. Uh, there were some interesting fights, but not interesting enough so um fuck bellator and we'll rip into them for their event on friday night a little bit more later but before that let's get into an actual well-produced event the last ufc event on fox which i'm sad to see go because um you know that 
the UFC cards that are on Big Fox, like you said, they always end early. And I was loving it last night. I, you know, uh, the baby went to sleep, you know, before the main event. I got to enjoy it and then still stay up a little bit after uh, afterwards and enjoy some peace and quiet. But, um, man, what an exciting card, top to bottom. Uh, this was a phenomenal event from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It was headlined by a rematch, uh, Raging Al Iaquinta and Kevin Lee. These two met up very early in their career, and um, the rematch went pretty much the same as the first fight. Jeff, I know you and I saw this one a little bit differently, so I'll let you take the reins and uh, and uh, give the people your thoughts here. Yeah, dude, honestly, I felt like Kevin Lee got robbed initially. So, Bill, uh, I'll get into our conversation in a second. But, um, you know, I felt initially like Kevin Lee had won the first three rounds, uh, rounds two and three. He was on Ally Akinta like a backpack. I appreciated the back control. And while he wasn't able to finish, I felt like he was still making attempts to finish. He was looking for rear naked chokes. He was uh, punching Al when, uh, when he was defending the chokes. And, dude, uh, Kevin Lee's back control, man. I know that... Um, you know, his, his skill set has really evolved. Um, when he was on Iaquinta's bank back, he weaved his uh, leg that was closing the triangle around Iaquinta's other leg to keep him from turning into him and just keep him stabilized uh, from moving. So, dude, I really appreciated that. Um, you know, in rounds four and five, Iaquinta turned it up, dude. Uh, that's why his name is Raging. And Kevin Lee was basically mounting no offense at this point. Um, the first round I thought was a bit of a toss-up, but after re-watching it this morning, I felt that Kevin Lee did a good job of switching his stances, but he was switching stances for the sake of switching stances. He wasn't throwing anything effective off of them. I thought he was going to switch stances to like switch up his jab a little bit, but Iaquinta, that first round, he was in Lee's face. Uh, we had a debate about going for single legs, which Iaquinta actually used just to set up other strikes. So, Bill, after re-watching this, uh, initially I thought that Kevin Lee got robbed, but after watching it again, watching that first round again, I can see why Akinta got the win. All right. So I guess we're not going to have like the raging debate that I thought could have gone down on the show today. Uh <laughs> we, we did that on Twitter last night. If anybody is wondering what that's about. Yeah. You can go back and, and look at that. You, uh, our Twitter conversation still up there. And we were also texting behind the scenes. So we were back channeling Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't see, uh, any reason that Kevin Lee could have won this fight. Um, I, I thought the first round was kind of close. The most significant strike was that awesome spinning elbow from ally Quinta, where he snatched up Kevin Lee's leg, immediately dropped it and then spun an elbow into the side of his skull. Um, by the end of this fight, Kevin Lee was so busted up, he didn't even seem to know where he was. His Both of his orbitals were really swollen. Uh, he couldn't really string a sentence together when he was being interviewed, and this is a guy who is great on the microphone. I, I don't really understand his game plan. Um, I would have thought he would incorporate more wrestling because he just had nothing for Al Iaquinta on the feet. And even the rounds where he had Iaquinta's back, uh, you know, you're exchanging maybe 45 seconds to a minute and a half of, at most of ground control um, compared to Iaquinta's complete domination on the feet. Uh, even in that second round, which is probably Kevin Lee's best round, as soon as Iaquinta got back up, uh, Kevin Lee was on his bicycle. He wanted nothing to do with getting hit 
by Al uh, and the volume of strikes um, was, was pretty masterful by ally Quinta, especially in that fifth round where he just turned it into another gear and, you know, he had Kevin Lee rocked on several occasions. He had him on stumbling legs. Uh, you know, Ally Quinta does not get beat standing up. Uh, nobody has been able to beat him on the feet. The, his only losses are uh, when he gets out grappled. Uh, so, uh, that, again, I don't understand the game plan by Kevin Lee coming in. Um, you know, Kevin Lee had a lot of momentum, uh, you know, fought for an interim title last year. And even though he lost, I think a lot of people gave him a pass because he had the staff infection and everything like that. And then he turned back around and, and dominated Edson Barbosa, um, you know, even though he was ro rocked really badly in that fight. So Kevin Lee proved, I think that, um, he, you know, he has a great chin. He can stay in there with guys, but, um, his striking definitely wasn't on par with, raging out. Um, so I, I would like to see Al and Edson Barbosa possibly next. And for Kevin Lee, I think he needs to, uh, take some time, regroup a little bit. We'll, we'll see him back stronger. I'm sure in 2019, uh, I really wish he had implemented some more wrestling. I, I'm a big fan of Kevin Lee. I'm a big fan of both of these guys. Um, which is why, you know, I, I wanted to see Kevin Lee mix things up a little bit. Um, as far as I saw it, this was a striker versus grappler matchup. And I love the way Kevin Lee mixes up his takedowns, uh, with his strikes. And, um, you know, ally Quinta just had a great game plan. I, I really liked how he was using those, uh, single leg picks to just kind of fuck with Kevin Lee every time <laughs> Kevin Lee and he put that right leg right in front of Al, Al just grabbed it and then let it go. And then two pieced him. It was, <laughs> it was pretty funny to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see Al and, and Barbosa next. I think uh, that's a fight that makes sense. Uh, it's two guys who rarely uh, lose striking exchanges. So I imagine this. there's no way this fight goes to the ground. Um, if it does, I would imagine Al might have a slight advantage, but he's not going to be able to hold down Edson Barbosa the way Kevin Lee was and the way Khabib was. Um, uh, from what I hear from the people who train with Barbosa, he's really hard to take down and even harder to hold down. Any other thoughts on the main event here or what's next for these two guys, Jeff? Yeah, dude. Um, I still, Bill, I'm going to argue this with you. I don't think Iaquinta landed that spinning elbow clean. I think it was closer to missing. Um, it looked like he kind of caught Lee with like the knuckles, but we'll, we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. But, um, what was I going to say for Kevin Lee, man, I think he just needs to fight somebody, um, who, you know, I thought this was a really, really good matchup for him, for his style. I thought that Ayakinta would struggle more with his wrestling. But like you said, dude, Lee didn't even use it that much. So, I, you know, he needs to go back to the well on that. He needs to go back to his wrestling. Um, and also, he needs to work on his cardio, dude. He was not there in rounds four and five. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you said, against Tony Ferguson, I, I kind of figured it was because of the staff infection. It was hard for him to train. But now... <clears throat> We're starting to see a really big hole in his game, dude. Because, uh, you know, if this is the case, if he's going to main event again, he's he's got to step his cardio up, dude. Iaquinta was, looked like he was ready for six more rounds, you know, let alone in, in those final two rounds. Uh, you know, on a day's notice, he fought Habib on, on a day's notice for five rounds. So, you know, I think Kevin Lee, he should have prepared better for this one, man. 
Yeah. Well, to comment on, on the first thing you said, I think there is an Iaquinta elbow shaped dent in the in the forehead of, <laughs> of Kevin Lee. Uh, regardless of whether it landed flush or not, that was a beautiful technique. And as far as Kevin Lee's cardio, I think that comes down to the weight cut. I mean, he's mm. huge for this division. He's been lobbying for that 165 pound division for a long time because he doesn't want to make the move to 170. Um, he feels like he's a little too small there. So I, I think that's something that's inevitable, especially now with the addition of Ben Askren, who's pushing for it. And Ben Askren is a guy who will, you know, get the ears of the right people uh, eventually, you know, once he gets into the spotlight a little bit and, and starts getting his voice heard uh, by some of these mainstream fans, it's something that just makes sense and needs to happen. And um, I think that's probably the issue with Kevin Lee's cardio and probably why he wasn't wrestling as much because when he took Iaquinta down, uh, once Al got up, he was totally gassed. Uh, yeah. you know, he was on some pretty wobbly legs. Uh, you know, those, those body triangles will, will really drain your legs. I, I can't really speak to that from experience because it's not something <laughs> that, uh, my body structure allows me to do. But, uh, from what I hear from those lanky motherfuckers who like body triangles, uh, you know, to hold on to it for a long time, especially if you're trying to squeeze and put, put pressure on that lower abdomen and really squeeze the life out of that diaphragm. Uh, it can really, it can really, uh, you know, cause a, a lot of uh, weakness in the legs, especially if somebody is able to turn into you and then get back up and then you got to box them. Uh, so let's move on to the co-main event. And this was a case of just too much too soon uh, for Dan Hooker, who obviously showed his toughness. I, I feel like that was a little bit too much of the narrative uh, after this fight. Uh, I think more credit should go to Edson Barbosa for just showing, you know, how many levels above this uh, young New Zealand fighter he was. Um, you know, Dan Hooker had some impressive victories over guys who were not ranked. You know, he knocked out Jim Miller. He had a knockout over Gilbert Burns in his last fight, I believe. Um, you know, those are all guys outside of the top 15. And then he jumps right to calling out the most explosive striker in the division who just fought for the championship in the past year. I, I think it was just too big of a jump. I think there were some better matchups, you know, more at the cusp of the top 15 for Dan Hooker. Um, I, I feel like he could have built up a little bit more momentum. And uh, man, Barbosa just used him for a punching bag, uh, especially in the third round of that fight. Uh, Dan Hooker's liver got beat up more than mine when I was living with my ex-wife uh, <laughs> from those spinning wheel kicks to the body. It was hard to watch. <laughs> um, and I did a lot of damage to my liver, Jeff, as you well know. Um, so uh, give me your thoughts on Barbosa's performance here and um, give me your thoughts on whether or not Dan Hooker is alive today. Dude, uh, I got to apologize to Edson Barbosa because I doubted him. I thought that Dan Hooker uh, was a little bit more well-rounded because he's got a couple of submission finishes. He got uh, Mark DeCasey, who was like – he kind of derailed his hype train for a bit. Mm -hmm. But, dude, Edson Barbosa, if you're listening, please, please don't leg kick me. Um, 
Dude, Edson Barbosa. That was the story of this fight, dude. Edson Barbosa going back to those uh leg kicks round by round, man. And Dan Hooker, I don't know how he could stand, man. Um, his knee was all red. I thought he was gonna sprain something in his knee. Um, Barbosa's just you know an animal when it comes to the uh, the feet on the game on the the game on the feet, and his strikes were awesome. You know, he keeps everything so tight. He's so technical. And then at the end, he really turned it up another gear, um, you know, using those spinning uh, kicks to the to the chest and the liver, man. Um, one of them at the end, Hooker just keeled over. And, Bill, I'm going to be honest with you. I was very disappointed with this fight. Not the fight itself because Edson Barbosa, you know, he's a master of his craft. But Dan Hooker's corner just let him down completely. Um, there was no stool. Which I don't I like, dude. Yeah. What what's the deal, man? You know, th this dude is in here getting basically murdered by Edson Barbosa, and y you can't be bothered to even remember to bring a stool. Like the dude can barely stand. Come on, son. And then really, dude, I thought that his corner should have thrown in the towel in between that second and third round. They let him talk to the doctor. They should have been smart. They should have said, listen, I think that you're you're being too tough for your own good. Let's have a conversation. Let's really think about this. Like longevity-wise, I, I, I think it was a bad move by his corner. If I were Dan Hooker, man, as a fighter, I, I feel like his corner let him down. I think he should think about maybe changing up camps for his next fight. Yeah, it, it's – um. It, this is a dialogue that's been going on a lot lately. Uh, you know, it's something that kind of came up last week with Brian Ortega, whether or not his corner should have stepped in. Um, Chael Sonnen always says something and um, it, that really kind of resonates with me. He said that when you think your fighter can no longer win, that's when it's time to throw in the towel. So it's not about necessarily like how much damage they're taking or how much damage they're going to take but you also have to consider like do they have the skill set to come back and land that big punch um and dan hooker gave no indication that he was going to be able to come back and especially the way edson barbosa came out in that third round and he was like all right it's time to turn it up now um you know he he was lighting dan hooker up yeah. and you know he just he just turned it up to 11 in that third round. And, it, you know, I, I think he was even holding back a little bit. Uh, yeah. Some of those body shots, I don't think had all the force on it, on them that they could have. And they were still stopping Dan Hooker dead in his tracks. There was a couple of times where the referee Rob Hines could have stepped in there as well. Um, so it's like, you know, where do you point the blame here? Obviously, Dan Hooker's a warrior. He doesn't want anybody to stop the fight, but um you know you can't you can't be thinking about that sort of thing you have to just do what's right for the fighter's health yeah. uh, I, i'm sure he'll be back strong um you know he's probably gonna have to rewind back to some prelim fights and work his way back up um probably take some fights with some older fighters on their way out again but uh, you know, a young fighter, it was just too much too soon for him. Uh, you know, he recently moved up to lightweight, uh, and, and he's big for that division too. Um, you know, uh, six foot, uh, six foot tall is tall for a, a lightweight. And, uh, you know, he had that decision lost to Jason Knight a couple of years ago. And then, you know, he was looking great as soon as he moved up to lightweight, but you know, the guys he was fighting were guys, you know, that 
we probably shouldn't have been striking with him or have been around a little bit longer, you know, like Ross Pearson. And then, uh, you know, DeCasey was probably the, the other, the only other young up and comer he fought, uh, on the road to Barbosa, but yeah, just too much too soon for him. Um, and yeah, so I don't know what's next here. I would Barbosa is one of these guys that doesn't lose on his feet, just like ally Quinta, which is why, um, you know, that's the fight that kind of makes sense for me. Um, two very different styles but uh two very tough strikers um so i think that would be an interesting one uh let's move on to uh another fight where it's kind of the same story it's a fighter moving up weight classes and then it was just too much too soon and that was sergio pettis and rob font uh this was complete domination by rob font uh you know he won all three rounds sergio pettis really had nothing to offer him in this fight and, you know, he's moving up from flyweight, which is the right decision for him because they're getting rid of that division eventually and he wants to stay relevant. But I don't know, man, this uh, this bantamweight division is tough. It's really stacked, especially towards the top. Uh, so if he has such a hard time with Rob Font, who's ranked uh, somewhere 11 or 12, I want to say, um, I, I don't really care for the rankings anyway, but it's just kind of, you know, gives you an idea of where he stands in this division. Uh, and he completely annihilated Sergio Pettis. Um, uh, I, I don't know if you're Sergio, I don't know what you do here because, uh, you know, the bantamweights seem to be too big and too strong for him and, and the flyweights are going away. Uh, uh, what were your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I thought they, I think you hit the nail on the head here. Font, you know, went out there, did his thing and it looked like another day at the office for him. As for Pettis, <clears throat> excuse me, as for Pettis, dude, he's just too small for the division, man. Um, I, uh, I just, I don't see anything about him that would make me say, okay, uh, maybe Rob Font was just a little too much for him. Uh, I think he's a good fighter. I, I just, I don't see it. Pettis has done nothing to stand out in this division. Um, even when he beat, uh, who was it? Did he beat Joseph Benavides? Uh, yeah. I believe he did. I, uh, even that win wasn't that convincing, dude. And Joseph Benavidez is a contender. So I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know what you do if you're Pettis. I think maybe a step down in competition. Maybe somebody is not ranked. But uh, like you said, dude, the top seven or eight guys at Bantamweight, I think eat him alive, dude. I don't see him doing much against a Cody Garbrandt or uh, Dominic Cruz or uh, Marlon Mojais. Uh, I think those guys eat him alive every single time. Yeah. Well, the thing with Pettis is I think he was just brought up a little too quick, even at flyweight. He's still a young kid. He's 25 years old, so he's still going to grow into his body a little bit more. So he probably needs to take whatever fights are left at flyweight in the UFC, maybe fight at flyweight somewhere else for a little while. And then when he grows into his body a little bit more and, and develops a little bit more as a fighter, come back uh, to the UFC eventually. I mean, he's got a lot of experience for, his age he's got over 20 professional fights um but yeah just uh too too small and you know he's got the submission skills but not the wrestling so if, if he can stand if he can't stand and strike with someone um that that's 
he's just got to deal with it, uh, which is the disadvantage of, of not being able to wrestle. This is exactly how I saw this fight going down. I put out uh, a poll on Twitter uh, last week just because I was kind of curious, and I think 80% of people thought that Sergio Pettis was going to win this fight, maybe just because of the name recognition, but I didn't see any way for him to beat Rob Font because Rob Font is a killer on the feet. Uh, you know, that, that jab was lightning fast that he was sticking in Pettis's face early in the fight. And then, uh, you know, it was all downhill from there for Pettis. Um, no surprises there. What was a surprise to me, Jeff, uh, I'm sure to you as well was the one minute, 15 second submission of Jim Miller. Uh, holy shit. What a performance by Charles Oliveira who extended his record of the most submissions in UFC history with, I believe it's 12 and he's even up there contending for, um, you know, most finishes. I think Cowboy Cerrone has that record with 16. I want to say, but a minute, 15 second dismantling of Jim Miller, who had been having a resurgence in his career, uh, was beyond impressive by Charles Oliveira. What were your thoughts on uh, this performance here, Jeff. Bill, you know I was excited for this one last week, man, but I got MMA blue-balled, Bill, <laughs> because, um, dude, I felt so bad for Jim Miller, man. Oliveira, his jiu-jitsu is no joke, dude. Um, so slick. As, as soon as Miller made a mistake, Oliveira capitalized on it and jumped on his back, and just he had such a tight squeeze, man. Jim Miller was turning blue, dude. I thought he was going to pass out before he tapped. I'm glad he tapped, dude. Um, but, yeah, man, Charles Oliveira is the real deal when it comes to the ground. Um, you know, Jim Miller, he's a little up there in years, so I feel for him. But, um, yeah, dude, I, I think Jim Miller, I think Charles Oliveira was just too much for him. Um <clears throat> As for Oliveira, I want to see him keep moving up in the lightweight ranks. Um, and as for Jim Miller, maybe give him uh, for his next fight, maybe uh, like uh, Dan Hooker or somebody like that. Uh, I think it would be a good fight for both of them to kind of uh, Miller to prove himself a little bit because, uh, like I said, he is up there in years. And Hooker as well to, to, hope, to yeah. prove himself. Well, Dan Hooker knocked Jim Miller out cold last year. Uh, I did forget about that happening. Uh, all right. I like, I like where you're going. Though. I, I think, um, I think it's a good plan for both guys. Um, I would like to see maybe Jim Miller and, and Gilbert Burns perhaps. Uh, oh dude. After that knockout that, uh, after that win, Gilbert Burns got last, uh, what was it last week or the week before? I don't know, dude. Yeah. But you know, Jim Miller's got to test himself. See if he could still hang, uh, with the, with these, uh, up-and-comers in the UFC so um you know if he's gonna work his way back up he's gonna start somewhere Gilbert Burns I believe still outside the top 15 so that's a fight that might make sense that's a fight that might make sense for um I was gonna say Dan Hooker but they've already fought too so all right fuck it let's just move on <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out later <laughs> yep um so I'm gonna skip around a little bit here uh just for the sake of time Dracar Close and Bobby Green. I thought this was a fun fight. These two guys hate each other. I thought it was really close. I kind of thought Bobby Green would get the decision, but Dracar Close got it. Um, I eh, didn't really care either way, but I, I thought it was fun that these two were like kind of fucking each other, fucking with each other. I, they weren't fucking each other. That would have been, <laughs> been a different kind of show. Uh, <laughs> you know, talking shit the whole time and, and fucking with each other. I, I thought this was a fun fight. 
Um, but you know, I didn't have a dog in this race, so uh, the outcome didn't really matter to me. Any thoughts on this one, Jeff? Um, yeah, man, I thought Bobby Green was kind of annoying. Uh, he kept like taunting Dracar close, but Bill, I'm gonna disagree with you. I think that if Bobby Green had put half that much effort into checking some leg kicks in that first round, maybe would have won. But uh, I thought the, I thought close won uh, rounds one and three pretty definitively. Uh, I think the leg kicks did him did it for him in that first round. Bobby Green at the end of that round, man, he wasn't moving around so much. Uh, he had a hard time moving laterally. And I felt like uh, it affected his game, dude. I think it slowed him down a lot in rounds two and three. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I would I would watch those two fight again, though. Uh, that was fun. Well, um, you're not going to be able to because Green's retiring. Oh, that's true. Yeah, um, he was but, like, well, the judges didn't go call it my way, so I'm going to leave and blah, blah. Listen, I can't stand for that shit, Bill. Let's move on. Oh, you tolerated pretty well from Kevin Lee. but. <laughs> 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 because he said something pretty similar all right moving on uh i thought this was probably the fight of the night awesome comeback from joaquin silva uh against jared gordon uh jared gordon beat the fuck out of joaquin silva in the first round uh second round was pretty similar as well silva had some spots where uh you know he was kind of reversing some positions and he looked like but he still looked like he was fading bad. And then in the third round, uh, you know, about halfway through, Joaquim Silva gets a second breath of life in him and puts on a highlight reel standing knockout. We haven't seen one of those in a while where Jared Gordon's face uh, head was just bouncing off the back of the cage. It was it, it was one of those scary knockouts where it's like, oh, shit, I hope this guy drops or the ref steps in or something because it's a scary thing when the guy's out on his feet like that because he can fall on his face and and you know do some permanent damage there but man what a comeback and, and what a fight this this fight was fucking amazing what were your thoughts jeff yeah dude i was standing up in my living room watching this one dude it was so exciting both these guys just winging shots at each other he's still keeping it technical and joaquin silva just such a tough dude man he came out a different fighter in that third round and even i would even say the end of the second round he was doing really really well he's making a comeback Mm -hmm. And, dude, I'm glad the ref stopped it when he did, man. Uh, the only thing that kept Gordon on his feet was the back of that cage, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, so definitely an impressive uh, comeback by Joaquin Silva. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what's next for him. Um, he, he's got a lot of power late in the fight, uh, which you know always comes in handy. So uh, I'll move on to another performance that – was really impressive, and this is reason number three why you don't want to be Paul Felder's teammate competing on a card <laughs> for Paul Felder commentating, uh, because Sergio Pettis, Jared Gordon, and Gerald Mearshart all coming up short. Um, personally, I don't really understand why they uh, have someone commentating when you know his teammates are fighting. I, I know, especially if it's on the main card. Cause like Daniel Cormier will, will choose, will elect to not commentate. Like he didn't, he chose not to commentate when Khabib uh, fought last, uh, which I think is the right thing to do because you don't want any of those biases to come through. And of course they exist. Uh, and of course they did come through with Paul Felder, who I really like as a commentator, I really enjoy his commentary, but um, you know, when, when those biases are there for him, it, it's just kind of painfully obvious and, and a little, a little cringy and I usually don't pay much attention to the commentary anyway, but you know, that's just something that stuck out to me. So Gerald Mearshart, 
uh, who I, I've been really high on, and, and I thought he, he looked great when when he first came on the scene in the UFC, another Rufus Sport guy. I thought this was going to be like a striker versus grappler matchup with Jack Hermanson, but uh, Jack Hermanson shows he's got some fucking grappling up his sleeve um, and, and dominated, you know, a really strong grappler in Gerald Mearshart. Um, you know, Gerald Mearshart's trying to do some of those lateral throws from the bottom, uh, which is uh, really hard to do with guys who have a, a strong base and, and just not a good idea after it didn't work the first time. He probably shouldn't have gone back to that. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you know, he's getting hit a lot. Sometimes muscle memory kicks in. If that's something that you hit when you're rolling all the time, then I don't know, maybe it seemed like a good idea at the time. And Jack Hermanson finishing with a really nasty arm and guillotine, uh, that, that was just beautiful technique. And he had the arm, uh, on the inside part of his body, uh, which, which is not typical. It's not the typical way to finish that. You know, usually you have the arm uh, going across your body with the arm and guillotine because it helps get the angle a little bit more. So it's a little bit harder to sink it in this way, but once it's in, it's tighter because you're pressing your opponent's arm against that carotid artery and it really helps to squeeze. Uh, so harder to set up, but more devastating finish. And Gerald Mearshart found that out the hard way, unfortunately. Give me your thoughts on this one, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I love what you said about the guillotine, and you're absolutely right. It definitely is harder to get that because, you know, the, the arm makes it just makes it a little bit more cumbersome to get that guillotine in that way. Um, but dude, Jack Hermanson, that guillotine was awesome, and he also got it from like a weird angle. He was almost, it, it kind of looked like he was setting up a back take but he didn't finish it and just went for the guillotine from there. So yeah. beautiful stuff from him, man. I thought Hermanson showed that he's very well-rounded. His ground and pound was good. Um, his control of Gerald Mearshart. At one point, Mearshart rolled over onto his stomach. And, Bill, we've talked about this before. When someone gives you their back, it means that you're doing something to their front that is even worse. Mm -hmm. Um and Mearshart, at one point, he had his elbows out like this over his head, and you never want that, dude. Uh, I thought Hermanson was actually going to get a rear naked choke from that uh, position. But, yeah, dude, beautiful guillotine finish. Um, Hermanson just looked great in there, man. He looked like he had no trouble with Mearshart at all. And uh, this fight was over quick, man. If, uh, if you guys are short on time, at least check out this fight. I think it lasted a little bit uh, under the first round, maybe two or three minutes or something. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty close to the end of the first round, 420, 425, somewhere around there. Uh, I'd like to see Jack Hermanson back in there. Obviously, uh, he came out unscathed from this one. Uh, maybe like a Uriah Hall or um, hmm, Antonio Carlos Jr. would be a fun fight. Uh, now that we see that he has some grappling ability. Yeah. Uh, and we know how good at striking is that that could be fun. Um, or even like a, I, I don't know, maybe too much too soon. I might be getting ahead of himself. If you put him in there with like a Derek Brunson, uh, that could be fun. Um, but maybe down the line, maybe that's, maybe that's too soon. Uh, so, uh, Jack Hermanson, either way, uh, one of the more dominant performances on the whole card. Uh, I'll only bring up one fight from the early prelims, unless you have anything else, Jeff. And that was the, uh, the very first fight heavyweights, Juan Adams and Chris De La Rocha. Um, th this was kind of a fun fight because Juan Adams is a guy who had never been out of the first round really. And he got tested against, you know, a, a real veteran in Chris De La Rocha and, you know, he stopped him, uh, early in the third round. 
but it, it took a lot. He, you know, he had to he had to give him everything he had, and we got to see the gas tank of Juan Adams, who's one of these guys who came out of Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. He had, I, I don't know, like a negative three second knockout or something <laughs> <laughs> like that. Knocked a guy out before he like during the intros. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that was a fun fight. Um, and then, yeah. That's uh, Mike Rodriguez's knockout of Adam Milstead was uh, was pretty good as well. Um, uh, and any other thoughts on the prelims, Jeff? No, but now you mention it, I'll probably have to go check those out later. All right, yeah. So definitely, uh, if you missed the prelims, definitely go back and watch the Juan Adams Chris De La Rocha fight. Uh, that was that was really uh, a good one. Um, yeah, so go back and watch it. All right, let's shit on Bellator a little bit. Let's uh, do it. <laughs> they put on some fucking awesome fights that nobody cared about over the weekend. So I won't even get into the fights last night on DAZN. Uh, from what I understand, Leota Machida won uh, you know, a pretty unimpressive decision. Uh, Alima Leigh McFarlane got a, a late arm bar in a, in a fight that didn't seem that uh, interesting with Valerie Letourneau, even though that's a great matchup. Um, Neiman Gracie submitted Ed Ruth, um, which it it would be surprising uh, if you didn't know that Ed Ruth kept taking him down the whole fight, uh, <laughs> which you would think is the opposite of what he should be doing. <laughs> like, hey, this guy is uh, a fucking grappling phenom. Let me let me take this fight to the ground. You would think, like, maybe use my wrestling in reverse and try to knock him out with that awesome knockout power he has, but. Uh, I don't know. What do I know? Uh, and, and that's all I know about last night. So we'll, we'll just kind of pretend that didn't happen. That was Bellator 213. Bellator 212, Friday night, could have been a great card. There were some excellent fights on here, but the pacing was horrendous. And the other thing that frustrates me is Bellator's inability to tell stories because a big part of your public image has to do with your storytelling ability. This fight card had an awesome story behind it. It was one of the first MMA events, major promotion events in Hawaii in a long-ass time since Rumble on the Rock, which was, I don't know, 15 years ago maybe. Uh, and we talked about that on this show before. If you've never seen Rumble on the Rock, uh, Google that shit because those were some amazing fights uh, back in the day. You know, BJ Penn in his prime, uh, Leota Machida when he was first coming up, and... Uh, Everything like that. So this this fight card. Not only that, but Jeff, this this card was not open to the public. You could not buy a ticket to it. Bellator. What they did was only invited veterans and active military, uh, and that that's who they put this show on for. And they fucked it up. Um, you know that that's a great story that needs to be told. And um, I only heard about this after the fact. I didn't even know. Uh, beforehand and i'm part of this mma media community this is something that if anybody's gonna know about it you know like you or i would hear about it somehow because we're constantly reading and like you know finding out what's going on and talking about it on social media and everything like that um that's a fantastic thing for bellator to do uh you know inviting all these active military giving them a break uh from the very difficult jobs they have of, of protecting our country. Um, what an awesome thing to do for, for our, our military, the brave men and women who serve this country. And the production was so drawn out. I think towards the end, 
they were averaging one fight per hour. Uh, and it was just, it was painful. And by the end, it, you know, it, it wound up running so late. Like I recorded it on my DVR and I, I always set it so that it records like 30 minutes past the end with, with, um, with combat sports events, because you know, it's uh, shit happens if it's an exciting fight. So it cut off for me about halfway through the third round of the Michael Chandler and Brent Primus fight. And I didn't even bother to try and find the rest of it. I saw how it was going to go down. It was complete domination by Michael Chandler over Brent Primus in the, in the rematch. Um, not really a surprise here. I mean, Brent Primus had a, a brief moment in the second round where he took Michael Chandler's back. But other than that, Michael Chandler was just all over him, um, you know, for the whole 25 minutes. I think it was 50-45 on every judge's scorecard. Um, so just domination by Michael Chandler, who lost the first fight because he took a low calf kick, which freakishly uh, damaged his nerve and his ankle and he couldn't stand up on it anymore. And the doctor stopped it. Um, uh, I, I know you saw parts of this main event, Jeff, uh, any thoughts on the pacing of the Bellator card or, or the main event? Dude, the pacing was God awful, man. Uh, I was falling asleep because the card was on super late, dude. It, and it was over here. Uh, I went to a holiday party for work and uh, i got back at around 11 11 30 so i was able to watch javier yala versus frank mir which that was a weird fight if you go back and watch i don't know what happened at the end it, it was just weird yeah the finish for that one uh a mouth frank mir's mouthpiece fell out and i don't know if there was like damage to his jaw or something but uh but he, he had to tap to javier yala's striking yeah um so after that, dude, I fell asleep because it took so long mm -hmm. for Michael for the Chandler Primus fight to start. And they kept showing the same skit of uh, you know, some of the soldier stories, which you know, I appreciate that. You know, yeah. I think that the veterans, what they do for us is amazing. They're the reason that we get to enjoy these freedoms. And it's because of that that they should have really Bellator, you should have done a better job, man. Mm -hmm. Um, it was way too long in between fights. Um, and like you said, dude. I, oh my God, I can't even get the words out. It took maybe, I was up for maybe 15, 30 minutes uh, after the Frank Mir, Javier Yala fight. And mm -hmm. still, I don't even see one of these guys walking out. I was like, dude, I'm done. Like, I'm yeah. tired. I'm going to sleep, man. I want to train in the morning. So I didn't even watch the main event. Uh, good for Michael Chandler. This is like his eighth reign as lightweight champion. Mm -hmm of uh, Bellator feels like he's been the only champion um, at lightweight for Bellator. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, Bellator is messing up, man. I'm sick and tired of the zone. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't even want to bother looking for these fights at, at that Bellator puts on at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of getting to that point for me uh, where it, it's becoming more of a hassle to watch Bellator uh, than to not, and just, you know, find the highlights on Twitter or something. Um, but I, I was interested in this Michael Chandler Brent Primus uh, rematch. But yeah, by the time by the time my DVR shut off, I was over it. And uh, I'll tell you what happened with the Javi Ayala Frank Mir fight. So Frank Mir lost his mouthpiece, and he kept getting elbowed in the mouth by Javi Ayala. And what he was doing was he was trying to tell Mike Beltran that his mouthpiece fell out, but he was also he thought that Javi had. Um, busted some of his teeth so frank mir was reaching into his mouth to try and pull his teeth out 
so he could keep fighting. He was trying to actually like pull his molars out of his mouth, but then um, he realized that the pain was too much, and he actually did have a, a fracture in his jaw. So he was trying to yank his teeth out, and his jaw was broken. And uh, Jeez. So, that was, that's pretty fucking savage by Frank Mir. Yeah. Uh, and who actually looked really good in the first round of that fight, uh, you know, against an up and coming heavyweight in Javi Ayala, who, you know, is pretty, pretty decent heavyweight in Bellator, especially, which is very heavyweight heavy, uh, so to speak. But man, that when I, when I had heard about that and I heard about it from, uh, Richard Hunter, I believe is the guy who does the podcast with, with Frank Mir. Uh, phone, phone booth, fighting in a phone booth, or uh, I forget the name of it. Um, but he said that he had talked to Frank Mir, and and Mir told him the story. He's trying to pull his teeth out, and then he realized his jaw was broken. <laughs> so if you go back and look, you could see Frank like trying to like reach in his mouth and like get. <laughs> Jeez, dude, you know I've been a fan of Frank Mir since like since the early days of me watching UFC, man. This just makes me love him even more, dude. He looked great uh, for his weight cut, dude. Uh, he was looking a little bit more um, sculpted out, a little bit more ripped. So I was really happy for him, dude. I was really excited for this fight. It's a shame that, that it went down that way. But, man, Frank Mir, he's the man, dude. He's a fucking animal. How do you not love this guy? Yeah, for sure. I, um, And... Uh, one positive that Bellator did, they only had 10 fights on this card, which is even more shameful that it drug out the way it did. Usually they have like 18 fights and the prelims have to, you know, take place after the main event because they can't get to all of them. But, you know, they got some some fighters that, you know, if they can get their shit together, you want to keep your eye on. One of them is AJ McKee, who uh, submitted some dude in the first round. I think he's like 14 and Oh, he made his professional debut in Bellator. So all of his wins are in Bellator. Uh, I would love to see him actually step up and, and fight somebody that I've heard of. Um, because I think he's a phenomenal talent, uh, in that featherweight division. And also Taiwan Claxton with a first round knockout, uh, early, uh, on the prelims. Uh, he's another guy who's just so explosive and fun to watch. Um, and I believe he's four and oh in Bellator in the also in the featherweight division. So, uh, maybe put those two together. That, that could be a fun fight, but they probably want to build them both up. Um, really fun fighters to watch. Uh, so, you know, frustrations with Bellator aside, it was a, a fun weekend of fights overall. And, um, you know, I, I'll be glad to have the week off from UFC next week. Uh, just to kind of uh, recuperate and, uh, you know, enjoy the holidays, which I hope everybody else does the same, of course. You know, Christmas, Hanukkah, which I believe Hanukkah is over, but hope it, you enjoyed it. Kwanzaa, Festivus, you know, whatever the fuck you guys do. Um, I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you enjoy some good drinks with family and everything like that. So I'll take this time to say happy holidays to everybody because I don't know if we'll be back. Uh, with another episode uh, until after the John Jones and Alexander Gustafson fight, you know, maybe Jeff and I will meet up and we'll, we'll throw something together next week. Maybe not. So uh, we'll try and keep you posted on social media. If you want to follow Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. Jeff, you got anything else you want to get off your chest today? 
yeah dude just happy holidays to everybody um you know we'll be back uh hopefully soon uh maybe at, like you said maybe after the jones gustafson fight but until then you know nobody complain just go enjoy your holidays and shut up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i like it everything about bellator for 20 minutes uh, <laughs> we do usually try to steer away from the the complaining department but um uh, you know what can I say? It's the holidays, Jeff. It's it's the time to air your grievances. I'm a, <laughs> I, I celebrate Festivus. Uh, <laughs> in any case, that's all we got for this week. So until next time, whenever that is, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>